Just uh, let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for showing up here tonight. I thank you for giving me utterance. I thank you for the anointing. Father, I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you and your word for each individual here tonight. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Character of God, Part 21. El Shaddai, Part 18. And uh, I know we're getting up there, aren't we? But you know what? I mean, really, we could be like a hundred parts on El Shaddai and still not even scratch the surface. I mean, people think, well, Andrew doesn't know nothing else. Oh, no, we know plenty more. <laughs> well, we're just trying to learn this, you know. We can't get past this one. You know, as like, this is the very, well, let's just read Exodus 6. We all know this. But watch this. We've been reading this verse for 18 weeks, right? So I'm thinking, I got this down, God, okay? But no. All right, so watch this. So, then the Lord said unto Moses, Now thou shalt see what I'll do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he shall let them go. With a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses, and he said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of El Shaddai. Now, now I'm reading that again for the night. I mean, this is like the 18th, 19th week that we've read it here, so you know how many times I've been reading it at home, right? So... This afternoon I had a, a couple minutes. I had a meeting that was canceled, so I just said, well, you know what, I'm just going to look at the, look at this stuff one more time. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, and here's God talking to Moses. I appeared unto Abraham. Yeah, that guy used to be called Abram. Remember that? And then God changed his covenant name. Do you know nowhere in the Bible does it ever refer to Abraham as anything other than Abraham once God changed his name, and he only changed it one time. He said, I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. Never again. Psh, always Abraham. Isaac, God named him before he was even in the womb. Remember? Part of the covenant, he said, you name this kid Isaac. Now, Jacob, they didn't name, they, he didn't tell him what to name Jacob. But do you all remember, look at this over here in Genesis 32. Now, I'm going to beat up on Jacob here a little more. <laughs> but, okay, so J Genesis 32. Remember, he's a, uh, Jacob, remember, he's, he's fixing to go meet Esau. So he sends all the women folk and the children ahead, and he stayed back on the other side. And then he's wrestling Jesus. Okay, so here it is. Genesis 32 and verse 24. It says, And Jacob was left alone, and there he wrestled a man, it really says a champion in the Hebrew, with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, as Jesus said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I won't let you go except you bless me. It's all going good right now. And he said unto him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called No More, Jacob. Went Now, this is Jesus telling him, No more will you ever be called Jacob. No more. From now on, what is it? But Israel, for as a prince you have power with God, and with men you have prevailed. Jesus told him. He changed his name. He said, You're not called Jacob anymore, not supplanter, you know, liar, cheater, stealer. You won't be called that anymore. You're called Israel, which means you are a prince with God who has power with God, and you prevailed. You prevailed over me. You went, so here's your name. Now, Exodus 6 is way, way after this, and yet the Lord, who just changed Jacob's name and said, you won't be called Jacob anymore, no more will you be called Jacob, he tells Moses, I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. No, he didn't say Israel. He said, I appeared unto, him, unto Jacob as El Shaddai. I thought he just said, no more would you be called Jacob, yet 400 years later, he's calling him Jacob again. He still called Abraham, Abraham, he didn't say Abram. Now some people go, see, Bible contradicts itself. Andrew, you contradict yourself. 
Well, Jesus just contradicted himself. But you know what? Whose choice was it to be Israel? I'm the prince that is power with God and man. Here's your name. Jacob didn't stay there, did he? Did he stay, I'm the prince that has power with God when he heard about Joseph? First thing he did was say, oh yeah, surely without a doubt he's renting to pieces. And he went right back into who? Jacob. He was the covenant. He's Israel. Prince who has power with God and has prevailed, yet he kept, cho- he kept choosing time and time again to go back to being supplanter. God changed his name to Israel, and he said, no more will you be called Jacob. You know, when he told Abraham, no more will you be called Mac Daddy, that's what Abram means, high father Mac Daddy. You're, you're the father of many nations. Abraham never called himself Mac Daddy one more time. He said, I'm the father of many nations. You turn around, and there is nobody standing there but his two, his Hagar, you know, his you know, concubine, the adulterer woman, and his wife Sarah, and she's old, and there's no kids there. But I'm the father of many nations. He never went back and said, I'm Mac Daddy, I'm high father ever again. It was his choice. He could have done that. He could have got up from covenant and said that. That No, but no, he never did take that name again. He said, all right, I'll be called Abraham from now on. Then I'm Abraham. I'm all in with God. Here goes Jacob. You'll be called Israel, prince who has power with God. From now forevermore, you'll be called that, and you prevailed. And now he's Jacob again, out of God's own lips. See, it's available for him to have been Israel. Yet he kept jumping back over to being Jacob. I don't know about y'all, but I, you know what? I don't want God, my, you know, God's testimony. You know, and all throughout the Bible, he switches back and forth between Israel and Jacob. All through the Psalms, it's the God of Jacob, or it's the God of Israel. Children of the seed of Jacob, seed of Israel. You know, they're the seed of Jacob when they're all acting out and not in covenant. They're the seed, they're the seed, they're children of Israel when they're back in covenant. See, every time Jacob decided he's going to be in covenant, now he's Israel. Well, this week, I'm Israel. Prince who has power with God and prevailed. Next week, doubtless, Joseph's been torn into pieces. Oh, I'll go down to my grave mourning him. Didn't ask no question. Now he's Jacob. Supplanter, liar, waste of time. Jacob, that guy. See, we do the same thing, though. We're in, we're out. We're in, we're out. Look, God has called you His kid. He gave you His name. Do you remember? You're a son. You're in the family of God. Your last name is God. Remember I said you're on the letterhead way back when we were talking about <clears throat> inheritance? You're an associate part. You're an equal partner with the Godhead. People are like, oh, well, we went through all that. You can look at it back in inheritance. He gave you his last Your last name is God. And then whatever we feel like deciding, well, I don't really go with that. And then we're back to just being, you know. I always tell it. I say this all the time. When, when my relatives tell me what my family history is medically and I'm going to get that, I'm like, that ain't my family history anymore. So I'm in God's family. See, but then we always choose to go back to our family naturally. Same thing was going on with Jacob and Israel with this name change. He's either covenant guy or he's just natural guy. Covenant guy or natural guy. And here's testimony of God to Moses was the majority of the time he must have picked natural guy because that's who God calls him by, even after he changed his name. Well, hallelujah. Back to Exodus 6 here. He said in verse 3, I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, or God Almighty. By the name of Jehovah, I was not known to them. You all know that El Shaddai is Almighty God who bountifully nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. 
He'll be El Shaddai for you as long as you stick with the covenant side of things. You want to take back your other name, your natural, you want to be natural you? He won't be El Shaddai. Just like with Jacob. Back and forth, back and forth. Aren't you glad we got to Joseph? He didn't waver. He didn't go, oh, he had more excuses to go back and more reasons, not just excuses. He had legitimate reasons to be like, this sucks. I don't know what's going on. God, what are you doing? Legitimate reasons to do that. Jacob never had none of the legit. Man, Jacob wrestles Jesus. Jesus himself calls him, you're a prince with God. You prevailed against me. Man, if I prevailed against God. But, right? All right, so Genesis 41, this is where we left off with Joseph. We'll get a running head start on this because we, we took a detour to Judah and Tamar last week. This will be much more, I think, calmer this week. Yeah, less graphic. Of course, you never know what Scripture is going to come out. Genesis 41 and verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paaniah. Again, I just like, just stick with Joe. I mean, you know, talk about taking an easy thing and making it hard, right? Well, he's the king, you know. And he gave him to wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. So he got him a pagan woman. And Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. So now he's, remember, he got that second chariot and he was in Air Force Two, and now he's doing his business. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh the king. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years that were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in cities and the food of the field, which was round about every city, and he laid up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left off numbering, for it was outnumbered. He had so much that, I mean, he like blew away Walmart's distribution center. All their whole logistics, he had so much he couldn't even number it anymore. Inventory, more than we can count. Yeah, I remember last week I said that's when really Joseph went to work. See, all the time he was a slave and he was in prison, everything he did prospered and he was diligent, but his work really started once he came into that power position. Because I mean, if he goofed off on that seven years, we'd find out in the next seven. Because what happened? He said, and Joseph in verse 50, to Joseph were born two sons in the years before the famine came, which Asnath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bare him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God hath made me forget. All my toil, all my wearying effort, all my worry, hard labor, misery, pain, sorrow, trouble, and weariness. God caused me to forget all that. Oh, yeah, and those idiots in my father's house. Idiots is in italics. I inserted that. But if Joseph was a human being, I'm sure he was thinking it because I was. And I didn't even get thrown in the pit. All right, in verse 52, and the name of the second son. Now, that was Joseph was 31 when he had the first son. He's 36 now, the year before the famine comes. He has a second son. They called his name Ephraim. For God caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction or the land of my evil. God made him prosper even in the middle of evil. And now the seven years of plenteousness was in the land of Egypt were ended. And seven years of dearth began to come. And according as Joseph had said, and all the dearth was in all the lands... But in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried unto Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said, Why are you talking to me? Joseph's in charge. Go talk to Joseph. See how he passed the buck? Politicians ain't changed a lick in 4,000 years, have they? Nope. 
All right. So he, he blames it off on Joseph. He said, whatever, jo- go to Joseph and see what he says for you to do. And so we would have found out if Joseph was a slacker real fast. And the famine was all over the face of the earth. All over. And Joseph opened the storehouses and he sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Most powerful man on earth. Who's got the food? Joseph. Everybody on the planet's going to who's got the food, who's in charge. They do whatever Joseph said. Even Pharaoh said, hey, don't ask me. Whatever Joseph says, you do that. He's the most powerful man on the planet. Not one shot was fired. He didn't have to gather a big army. None of that. See how God did that? That's pretty cool. All right, so remember now, Joseph, from the time he got thrown into the pit until right now, that we're going to show up in Genesis 42, verse 1, 22 years have gone by. He's 39 now. Okay, 22 years. Now, Jacob, also known as Israel in some circles, on occasion, he's 130 now. Okay? Reuben is 45. Simeon is 44. Levi is 43. Judah and Dan are 42. Naphtali, Issachar, and Gad are 41. Zebulun and that other guy are 40. And Benjamin's 32. We don't mention that other name here. (laughs) All right. Benjamin is 32. Glory. All right, so now watch this in Genesis 42. Now Jacob, now he's back to Jacob again. He ain't Israel, he's Jacob. Right, Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, so he's watching CNN, and he saw that they had food down in Egypt. So Jacob said to his sons, "Why are you sitting around looking at one another? You bunch of you boys are dumber than sacks of hammers. What are you doing?" And he said, "Behold, I've heard there's corn in Egypt. Now get you down there and buy for us thence that we may live and not die." Boys, you're in your forties. Will you quit looking at each other and go down to where they have food and buy it for us? This you. It's not hard. How many know there's some things you don't need to get Rama on? Right? This is easy. He's like, this ain't rocket science, boys. We have no food and my stomach is eating itself. They have some over there. Maybe you guys should go over there and get us some. You think? Duh. These guys just aren't that sharp. This should make you feel good. This is the covenant patriarchs. You know, the 12 tribes of Israel. Not too smart. The oldest one's 45. Do you really have to be told that? You wouldn't think. I mean, I don't have to tell my five-year-old where the if he's hungry, he knows where the pantry is and he knows at least where the candy is. I don't even have to tell him that. And in fact, even if he's not allowed to get it and he's hungry, he'll go sneak it. These guys are really dumb. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, remember that's his full brother. The rest of them, they're just half-brothers and step-brothers and whatnot. Okay, and so, but Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. Well, he's not operating as Israel, is he? What about, you know, El Shaddai, my God, that's more than enough. 
I'm the prince who has power with God and I prevailed. He'll protect him. Because remember, Psalm 91 is El Shaddai. Covenant protection is part of El Shaddai. It's not outside of El Shaddai. It is El Shaddai. If you look in Psalm 91, it says, I'm God Almighty. And with long life, I'll satisfy you. Talk all about, you know, under the shadow of his wings, all that. Terror by day and pestilence by All that stuff, that's El Shaddai. But uh, now he's Jacob. Then he ain't covenant guy. He's just a natural guy. And the sons of Israel, now they're the sons of Israel. Boy, this will just get your head spinning, won't it? They came to buy corn among those that came. Well, you know what that tells me about sons of Israel? That they're supposed to go down there and get corn. They're obviously operating within the bounds of their covenant, or else they would have been the sons of Jacob. Even though they didn't get Raymond to go buy corn, now the Bible's telling them, hey, they're doing the right thing. Well, you know what? Of course they're doing the Remember Joseph's Ramah? He had two dreams. That first one was all his brothers would bow down to him. The sheaves of wheat, you remember that one? And then the second one was the 11 stars would bow down. How many are going to Egypt right now? No, there's only 10 going down right now. This is the first dream. Because he told all of his older brothers when they were out shucking the, you know, Benjamin wasn't out there with them. It was just all the older crew. He said, your sheaves bowed down to mine. The second dream, 11 of them bowed down, plus mama and daddy, son of moon. So the 10 going down first, we're still, or it's going to be the dream the way the first one happened. All right, I'm just giving you a hit because, well, we'll just watch. Let's read it. And verse 6, oh, verse 5. The sons of Israel came to buy corn from among those that came, for the famine was also in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came, and they bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Dream number one. Check. 22 years later. Joseph, could you pull out his little golf card score there? Dream number one, check. Put it off the things to do list. Have that bunch of maggots bow down to me. Got it. Put your card back in your pocket. Now, let's see. And Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them, but he made himself strange unto them and he spoke roughly. And he didn't say, hey, I'm Joseph. Y'all remember me? No, he kind of savored this one a little bit. Spoke roughly to them. Oh, you bunch of smelly maggots. And he said unto them, where y'all come from? Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And what happened? Joseph pulled that card out of his pocket. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. And he said, Aha! No, he said, You're spies. To come to see the nakedness of this land. That's why you came here. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. Let's throw on that. We're brothers. Did he ask them, are you brothers? He said, you're spies. They said, no, no, we're, we're one man's son. We're servants. Put that on the back burner. We'll get to that one later on here in a minute. Just remember that he didn't ask them, are y'all brothers? All right? And in verse 12, he said to them, no, no, no. But you came to see the nakedness of this land. He said, you came to spy us out to see what our defenses were weak how you could rob us of all of our food. That's why you all came down here. You a bunch of rabble route. Look at you, pirates. And they said, thy servants are twelve brethren. Now, now watch this, because this is what we do all the time. You start telling your sob story to try and get favor with somebody. 
Instead of just trusting God, you decide you're going to go into this big long litany of all of what your story is. You don't care what their story is. Neither does the person you're trying to tell your story to. Just trust, because you know what? If you're telling your story, you ain't trusting that God's giving you favor with them. The story is, no, we need to buy food we don't have any. Then trust God. Look at all this. This is what they call TMI, too much information. Thy servants are twelve brethren. Well, there's ten of you here. Well, and there were the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. Well, what happened to the one that's not? If I was just up, like, really, what happened to that one? What happened? Car accident? Was he riding a motorcycle without a helmet? Food poisoning? What happened? Oh, please tell me what happened to the one that's not. Why would you even bring that up? One of our brothers died. Could you give us food? And Joseph in verse 14 said, um, That is that I spake unto you saying you're spies. No, no. This is what you are spies. Don't be giving me your sob story. You're spies. Sound like anything that happened to you down at the tax office or the DMV? <laughs> Trying to get your license done? Tell me a big old sob story and they'll be like, nah, I got lunch. He said, hereby shall you prove that you're not spies. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not go forth thence except your youngest brother come here. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother and you shall be kept in prison. That your words may be proved. Whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh you surely are spies. All y'all going to lock up. One of you can go back and bring the younger brother here, and then we'll see if your story's true or not. And if not, y'all dead. How's this going for them? Not too good. And so he put all of them together in ward for three days. How many know that wasn't county lock up with cable TV? Joseph's getting a little payback, ain't he? Y'all going to jail for three days. That very jail that I spent two years in. I saved some rats and cockroaches for you. And Joseph said unto them the third day, the third day he lets them out. He says, this do and live. I'm going to let you live because I fear God. Now, were they witnessing? Did they tell them about their covenant God? How would some guy in the middle of Egypt know about their God? The only person in the covenant that had ever been down there was Abraham. That was when he was pimping out Sarah and they ran him off. And that was before the covenant. Remember that? They escorted him out with all of his riches. I'm sure he wasn't down there telling them how great God was after he was pimping Sarah out. These guys don't even catch it. He said, if you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound into the house in this prison. And the rest of you can go carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother back unto me so your words will be verified and you will not die. And so they did. So one of them gets stuck in lockup. The other nine are going back with their corn sacks full. Wonder who drew the short straw. And so now they're having like a head shed. They all get a a huddle. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Which one will daddy not flip out, flip out the most of who stays here? Right? And so they said to one another, they're whispering now, right? We are very guilty concerning our brother. 22 years later, and they're carrying this guilt around. In that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. How I many know that's true? 
more true than they think it is. They just think it's a little sowing reaping thing going on here. Right? And then look at Reuben said. Remember Reuben? Remember he was the one that he was supposed to he was in line for the birthright? Then Joseph was going to get the birthright. So he's trying to make it up with daddy and he said, No, don't do anything to you know. And when he's gone they sell him. Then look at Reuben said, Twenty two years. He'd been waiting. I told you so. Speak I not unto you. Didn't I say unto you, don't sin against a child? But would you hear me? No. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. It's all on y'all. It ain't on me. Don't put this on me. I tried to save him, but no, you wouldn't listen to me. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, right? Because they're over in the corner talking in Hebrew. And Joseph's over there going... <laughs> right? They didn't know Joseph understood him, for they spake, he spake unto them by an interpreter. That's a slick trick, isn't it? Joseph learned a thing or two while he was in Egypt, didn't he? And he turned himself about from him, and he wept, and returned to them again, and he communed with them, and he took from them Simeon and bound him up before their eyes. I don't know, maybe Simeon was the worst one to him, I don't know. But he, he had him, you know, cuffed and hog-tied and put the belly chains on, put the little orange jumpsuit on right there in front of him. Probably de-liced him too, de what is it, you know, when they spray him down for bugs. And Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man his money into his sack. And he gave them provision for their way, and thus he did unto them. And they laded their asses with corn, and they departed thence. So they packed up the pack mules, put all their stuff. Now, did you see what happened? Joseph said, give them the corn that they're buying, and put their money back in the, in the sacks with the corn. And so they stop off at one of the rest areas, you know, down at the Spink Station to get a Snickers and a Diet Pepsi. And one of them opened up his sack to give his ass provender in the end. He's going to feed his donkey. And uh, he espied his money. Behold, it was in the sack's mouth. <gasps> My cash is back in here. Y'all ever have that happen at Walmart? They gave you too much cash back? This guy ain't too honest because he don't turn around to go back and give his money back. He said to his brethren, Look, my money is restored, and lo, it's even in my sack. And their heart failed them, for they were afraid, saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? Man, you just got a whole bu bunch of money you didn't have before, and now you sound God is like trying to kill you? How do these boys think? And they came unto who? J Jacob. He's back to being Jacob. Their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly unto us and took us for spies in his country. And we said unto him, We are true men and no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father. One is not, and the youngest is his day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that you are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me. Take food for the famine of your households and be gone and bring your youngest brother back unto me that I'll know that you're not spies, but you are true men. So will I deliver your brother and you shall traffic in the land. And it came to pass as they emptied their sacks that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw it, the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, who? Now, yeah, Jacob. Can we just like take another little detour just a second? Because remember when Jesus wrestled with him, he said, you will be called no more Jacob but Israel. Now, when, when God changed Abraham's name, they just did it one time. You're Abraham and it was done. You know what Jacob? God did it twice. Called him Israel. Do you all remember that? Look at this. 
Remember Genesis 30, 34 is the first time when he wrestled him? But over in Genesis 35, God, El Shaddai, the Father himself, not just Jesus, but the Father shows up and calls him and changes his name. Twice. Genesis 35, and look at verse 9. Now remember Genesis 34 and 24 to the end of the chapter is when he was wrestling with Jesus. Remember that? We just looked at that. Now Genesis 35, a chapter later, in verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram, and he blessed him. And God said, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be out of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee I'll give. And to thy seed. The second time he changed his name. Now, Jesus did it, and God the Father came and did it. They did it twice, and now he's still going back to being Jacob. This dude, I mean, you know, this is Israel. Might have been better off with Esau. I don't know. Because in verse 36 of Genesis 42, it said, And Jacob, not Israel who had his name changed twice by God personally to Israel, prince who has power with God and prevailed. Look what he as Jacob, he says this. Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is gone. Now Simeon is not. And you will take Benjamin away. And all these things are against me. You see how he went straight to the evil list again? He ain't relying on his covenant not one little bit. He didn't when Joseph was gone, and he's not again. He ain't learned one thing in 22 years about his covenant. Listen, you make that one choice 22 years ago. He ain't going back. He already made his choice for evil. If he already didn't believe his covenant, do you think 22 years, it's like a football game. If you're, you start getting down in the first quarter, and then you get further down in the second quarter and the third quarter, and now you've got a huge bunch to make up, and there's only two minutes left on the clock, you ain't going to win that game. It's little by little. You've got to stay on top of this as you go. You turn around 22 years later, Covenant ain't even on his radar screen. Because if he was Israel at this point, he would have been like, first off, he would have found out that Joseph wasn't dead because God would have told him, send them boys down there. I sent Joseph ahead. Remember those dreams he dreamed? You don't think God would have told him that? Of course he would have. You send those boys down there. Joseph's down there waiting for you. In fact, all y'all pack up. I sent him ahead so that you could be down there. But he ain't asking. The covenant, oh, now I lost Joseph. Now I lost Simeon. Now, now you're going to take Benjamin. Oh, and all this stuff's against me. God did it. No, he didn't. And you ain't even thinking about it. About God and your covenant. El Shaddai. I mean, God personally came and blessed him. He didn't read it. God personally showed up and said, I'll give you everything, Abraham, Isaac, all the land, all that. It's yours. Dude's not doing too good with his covenant. This is Israel. Whatever your issues are, not that bad. Verse 37. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons if I don't bring back Benjamin to you and deliver him into my hand, and I'll bring him to you again. You give him to me, and I'll make sure he gets back. Joseph might have slipped through, but this one ain't. Because Reuben's trying to make it up again. And Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for your brother is dead. 
And this one, he's left alone. He's the only brother, and you know, Rachel's dead too, remember? If mischief befall him on the way which you go, then shall you bring, me, bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. There he goes again with the boxers, and I'm going to, you know. Now, El Shaddai ain't anywhere on his radar screen. In Genesis 43 and verse 1. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again and buy us a little food. So about six months or less go by. They had enough food. They ate for about six months. Now watch out Jacob. See, because if he was Israel, he would have found out right away that it was Joseph. God would have told him, Go, I'll go down there. Six months. Now he's hungry again. Now he tells him, All right, go head down there. So we do the same thing when pressure's on. We'll, you know, when we're getting squeezed, it's amazing what we'll do. Right? So he's changing all, you know, all this, all this, you know, he made his big stand six months ago when he had food. Now his belly's empty. Well, it's not so much of a big deal now. In verse 3, and Judah said unto him, now see, Reuben tried to do this, but here comes Judah. The man did solemnly protest unto us, that's Joseph, saying, you will not see my face except your brother be with you. If you will send our brother with us, then we'll go down and buy thee food. But if you won't send Benjamin, we ain't going down there. For the man said unto us, You won't see my face except your brother be with you. And who said? Oh, it must have got so bad for him that he decided to go running back to God. Know anybody like that? No, Andrew. I, no, huh? And Israel said, in verse 6, Wherefore dealt you so ill with me as to tell the man whether you even had a brother? Why did you even tell him? Verse 7, And they said, now the boys, watch this, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Do you have another brother? So we told him according to the tenor of these words, Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down here? Is that true? Remember I told you to put that on the back burner? Joseph never mentioned anything about that. They're telling their whole sob story. Here they go lying to their daddy again. Do you know, Jacob's reaping a whole lot of all the lies that he told all throughout his life. His boys ain't never told him the truth one time that I could tell. Happy family. And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad, who's that, Benjamin? How old's Benjamin? 32 years old, and they're calling him a lad. Well, what do you know? That kind of like validates when I was talking about Isaac being called a lad and being 33 when he goes up to get sacrificed by Abraham. Just thought I'd throw that in for all those religious, you know, theological folks that they don't like the timeline. No, he was just a boy. Yeah, same age as Benjamin was here within a year or two, and they're still calling this guy a lad too. He says, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. Who's Judah's little ones? Y'all remember Tamar's twins? Those are Judah's kids. They're illegitimate, but they're his bloodline of Jesus. He said, we'll live, you'll live, and my little ones will live. Benjamin's going with us. 
He said, I'll be a surety for him. I guarantee that of my hand thou shalt require him. If I bring him not unto thee, set him before thee, and let him bear the let me bear the blame forever. He said, if anything happens to him, you put it on me and my household forever. For except we had lingered, if we ain't wait the six months that you were you know dancing around on this daddy, surely by now we would have already returned the second time. Oh, we could preach an hour and a half on that. If we had just went along with God the first time, if he went with Israel instead of Jacob, the first time we'd already been through this mess and we would have been back already and we'd have been fine and that little hump that we've been dreading for the last six months would have already been taken care of. Oh, it got quiet in here. Well, thinking about the time where we procrastinated and we could have been already beyond the hump already. In verse 11, And their father who? Israel. He's sticking with his covenant right now. He said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. He said, But if you're going to do this, we're going down there as covenant people. You remember El Shaddai? He said, So you take the best fruits of the land in your vessels, and you carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds. And you take double the money in your hand, and the money that was brought again out of the mouth of your sack, so now that's triple the money, right? Because it's the money that they brought the first time and got sent back. Double that plus that. So we're taking three times the amount of money. We're bringing this guy a present. He said, and you carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. See, now he's thinking, maybe it was an oversight. Nobody's trying to set you up. He said, and you take also your brother, and you arise, and you go again unto the man, and who? God Almighty, El Shaddai will give you mercy before that man, and he'll send you away with your other brother and with Benjamin, and if I be bereaved of my children, then I'm bereaved. If I'm going under, I'm going under with El Shaddai. We go do this, we're going in covenant. And if we go down, then we go down. But we're going as covenant people. Boy, I'm glad he finally got back up on the horse. Took him a while, 22 years. Had to really get squeezed. Down to the bar, he's gonna lose. Thinks he's gonna lose the third kid. He said, "We now, you know, these people are rich. They might not have any food, but they got lots of cash." He says, "We're going down there as rich covenant people, and God'll give us favor with this guy, El Shaddai. Y'all remember him? And if we go down, then we're going down with El Shaddai. But we ain't just going down there and trying to work it out ourselves. Oh, that's good." How you know they could have bypassed all that if he had done that first? If he had just stuck with his covenant God coming out the gate instead of all the going to the evil list and oh, it's this all against me and laying around in his boxers for 22 years grieving and gray hairs and all that. Now he just went with God in the first place and they would have bypassed it all. And in verse 15, and the men took that present. And they took double their money in their hand, and Benjamin, and they rose up, and they went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, so he took his staffer, you know, the guy that runs his house, remember, he was the ruler of Potiphar's house, so he took his Egyptian slave, and he pulled him aside, he said, you bring these men to my home, and you slay and make ready, slay and make ready, he's talking about the best cow, we're going to have a feast. Y'all get the butcher shut, go out to the back shed, butcher you a nice cow, make up some nice steaks, the kind you saw on the Food Network yesterday. Do a little everyday Italian, little Rachel Ray, make it all nice. 
will be there at noon. And they'll dine with me. And the man did as Joseph said. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid. Because they were brought into Joseph's house. Now the last time they went to jail. What are they afraid of now? I mean, really, what are they? I mean, come on. The last time the guy threw you into jail, this time he's telling you, come on over to my house. And they're afraid. They must not have listened to what Israel had said about El Shaddai and having favor. And if we go down, we're going down with God because, you know, God's never let us down yet. Even all those times that I let him down, I know El Shaddai ain't never let me down. That's Israel's statement to them. And they must not have listened too good because they're what? Afraid. And they sent to Joseph's house and they said, Because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves and our asses. No, y'all are the asses. The guy's going to bring you to his house? Oh, and then he's going to mud suck you. Last time he just took you right to jail. Now you're going to the mansion. How I many know Joseph's the most powerful man in the world? It's better than just one of those Donald Trump $120 million mansions. We're talking palace here. Nice. You know what the Grecian urns and little fountains? Palm fronds waving, right? Bowls of fruit. Sure. And, and, and looking around, do you think Joseph needed one more slave? What are these guys thinking? Obviously, not thinking about the covenant too much right now. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house. Now watch, we did this line before. And they communed with him at the door of the house, and they said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down the first time to buy food, and it came to pass when we came to the inn that we opened our sacks. And behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, and our money full weight. And we brought it again in our hand, and, and, and more money we brought in our hands to, to buy food, and we can't tell who put the money in our sacks. Here we go again with a little work in the angle. Remember first, we have a brother and one is not. We have a younger brother and, and then one of them died. Could you give us... Now they're afraid. Why are they working the angle? Because they're afraid. Because they're not believing God's their source. They're not believing favor will come from God. They're not believing God will show up here. Otherwise, they wouldn't be telling this sob story, song, and dance. And they're telling it to some guy that really doesn't have any power to do anything. He's Joseph's slave. If you're going to save your sob story, why don't you give it to the guy that can do something to help you? This guy's the one that just runs the house. Joseph's house boy. Remember that the next time you're at the DMV and you're trying to tell the lady behind the counter your little thing? Cause she ain't got no juice to help you anyway. Just walk in there and say, I want to I talk to, you know, whoever's in charge of the Department of Transportation. Did you start at the top? They'll get you somebody out there pretty quick that can help you. And then you rely on favor. I'm telling you a little sob story. And you tell it to the wrong person anyway. And all they're doing is what? Reciting evil. And then and then and and they were just whining and crying and moaning and 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 look at the slave said to him verse twenty three peace be not or no peace be unto you fear not look guys relax 
and quit being afraid. It's all good. Remember, this is Joseph's slave. Joseph's Egyptian guy running. Your God, El Shaddai. The Egyptian pagan slave is reminding them of their covenant God. Patriarchs of Israel. Twelve tribes. Sitting on twelve thrones. Took an Egyptian slave to start telling you again, quit being afraid, you know, your covenant-making God, El Shaddai, from a slave in another country that don't believe in El Shaddai. The God of your father? Then he starts reciting their covenant to him. You know, the God of Israel, that guy? You know, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Israel, who's also called Jacob when he's not in the covenant all the time. El Shaddai, you remember that guy? So don't be afraid, because that God right there, he's given you treasure in your sacks. And I had your money. I'm the one that put it there, because God told me to do it. El Shaddai is more than enough. Put your money back in there, and you got free food. And he brought out Simeon unto them. The Egyptian slave pagan worshiping Isis and On and all the, you know, the death god and the pyramids and the sun god and the rain god. Yeah. Why are you guys being afraid? Because El Shaddai, you know, your God. It wasn't even his God. He's your God. Got your back. It's your God to put the treasure in there. Why are you being afraid? This just cracks me. I mean, these are the 12, the patriarch, oh, yeah. Judah, Lion of Judah, yeah. These, I mean, whatever your issues are, not that bad. If you find yourself having the Harry Krishner remind you of your covenant at the airport when you're freaking out, you might want to remember this story and just take a minute and reassess and go, if the Harry Krishner is telling me about my God, we've really slipped. Mm-mm-mm. But you know what this tells me about Joseph? Because this tells me something about Joseph right here. He's teaching his entire household and staff and slaves and everybody, his wife and his kids, we keep covenant here. El Shaddai, let me tell you about him. And these, his slaves knew it good enough to preach it to the patriarchs themselves. Knew it better than the patriarchs. Oh, Joseph's my favorite. Dude is the only one in the lot that had real reason not to be, you know, all up in his covenant. He didn't just have excuses. He had legitimate reasons. He got shafted on many occasions. Yet now, most powerful man in the world, not only is his, his family, but his staff and his slaves know the covenant and how they operate in that house. So much so that his slaves are preaching it to actual covenant patriarchs. Did I already say that 15 times? Because I want you to get that. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and he gave them water, and he washed their feet. And he gave their asses provender, he fed all the donkeys, and they made ready the present for Joseph, who came home at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand, into the house, and they bowed themselves to him, to the earth. All 11 of them. Pull out the little card. Dream number two. 11 stars bowing down. To-do list. Check. 
And he asked of them their welfare. Hey, how are you all today? No, no, I didn't say get up. I just asked how you were. Is your father well? The old man whom you spake of, is he still alive? And they answered, Thy father, or thy servant, our father, is in good health, and he is yet alive. How old is he? 130. He's in good health. Even as miserable as you've been the last 22 years laying around in the boxers. We got no, don't ever say, oh, I'm getting too old for that. No, you ain't. And they bowed down their heads and they made obeisance. They worshipped. Oh, wasn't that the dream? That the eleven stars in the sun and moon would worship me. Oh, yeah. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, is this your younger brother whom you spake of me, spake to me of? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Step on up here. And Joseph made haste. He quick excused himself out of the room, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. He ran back into the, into the kitchen, and he was crying because he couldn't contain himself. And he entered into his chamber. He went back to his bedroom, and he wept there. Then he washed his face, and he came back out, and he refrained himself. And he said, Set on the bread. Let's have lunch. And they set on for him by himself. Notice Joseph, Joseph had his table. They ain't eating at Joseph's table. And they by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for it's an abomination unto the Egyptians. We don't eat with scum like you. That's what it says. Make me sick. You're an abomination to have Hebrews eat at the same table with the Egyptians. Who's a Hebrew? Joseph. He's come a long way since that days in the pit 22 years ago, hasn't he? He'd been faithful and true to his covenant, making and keeping God all his life, even when he had legitimate reasons not to. Now he's at the top of the food chain on the planet. And he's still hanging with God. Riches didn't turn him. Power didn't turn him. In fact, he's got his whole staff. He's got his family. He's got his slaves. They're all locked on. We're all going after God. In the middle of Paganville. That's in Egypt, by the way, in case you didn't know on the map. Paganville. Pagans just mean they worship a bunch of gods. The fertility god and the flower god. And whatever you, know, whatever you could think of God. Other than El Shaddai, the true god. They worship everything but that. Not in Joseph's house. And he's the most influential man on the planet. Yeah, he could have got cocky and been like, oh, I don't need God now. I did this on my own. Scrubbing them toilets and going to prison. Oh, I don't see... Yeah. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. No, he knew where it came from, and he stuck with it, and he never wavered one time. He, he chose good even when it wasn't good. In verse 33, And they sat before him, and look how he set them all up in their table. The firstborn according to his birthright, and down to the youngest according to his youth, and the men marveled at one another. Now, these guys really are dumb. They ain't figured it out yet. I mean, come on, it's been 22 years, but I would know my brother. He hasn't changed much since he was 17. Not enough where I couldn't recognize him. And then, let's see, not only did he talk to them about their God the first time, 
Now his slave is talking to us about our covenant and explaining it to us. And then he sets us out from the oldest to the youngest. I mean, how does God just like not lose it? This is all he's got to work with. I'd be up there banging my head on the wall. My, I know I made them out of mud, but I mean, come on. I, I really, I don't, I mean, whew, guys, I mean, it didn't even cross your mind a little bit. You'd be like, hey, you know, that guy kind of reminds me of Joseph. Doesn't he favor Joseph a little bit? Well, I don't know. Man, maybe when he turns his head a certain way. None of that? They obviously remember Joseph because the first thing they did is get in a huddle and be like, I told you we shouldn't have thrown Joseph in the pit. So it's still in the front of their mind. It's not like they forgot. Oh, Lord Jesus. And in verse 34, Joseph took and he set their lunches as messes. They put their lunches to him, before him. But to Benjamin, his mess was five times as much as any of their others. How many know all that? Because Joseph, remember when he was little, how come their pie's bigger than my pie? Because you're the youngest. Shut up. I get twice as many pies as you get. How come he got the biggest piece? Because I'm bigger than you. I thought, yeah, you know, if they did it to Joseph, they were doing it to Benjamin. Yeah, and Benjamin didn't have mama looking out for him. And he was raised by Leah, right? His mama died in childbirth. So he's going to make up for some lost time. He puts five pieces of pie in Benjamin's place. He gets five times the portions of everybody else. I, I like Joseph, man. The guy is just so cool. Now, look, we're out of time, and we'll start on his, uh, the next time we do, we'll pick up the story here, and we'll get it running his start. But, yeah, no, we have to. It's getting late. But really, these guys... I, you know what? It just encourages me when I, whenever I... I don't just look at Joseph as the guy of what I should do. I look at all these other cats as the stuff that I shouldn't do, including Israel. What a dope. I mean, seriously, I, I have a hard time finding a good thing to say about this guy because God personally shows up and blesses you. Jesus comes down, rustles you, changes your name. The dude never really had to fight for any of his stuff. It was all given to him, handed to him. And he's still just not all in with God. Israel. Like, I, really? And Joseph? Do you know, he, he's not even mentioned in the 12 tribes. Each of his kids got a half tribe, Manasseh and Ephraim. He's not even mentioned in, in the, you know, they split his, so yeah, it's his possible, yeah, his kids got the, you know, Get a half a portion of his each of his what his inheritance would be with the twelve tribes, but he's the one that made the whole thing happen. I never figured that. I'm like, God, Joseph's back. How come his name isn't even mentioned with these other two? I mean, with with the twelve tribes, each of his kid got half. I don't, know, you know, he's the guy. Joseph was separated from all that. You know what? The best thing that happened to him is he got away from that kooksack family of his. Because the peer pressure is not to do the covenant in this covenant family. I mean, look at the mess that we've seen from killing that whole city of Shechem. Judah with his little, you know, detour to shearing the sheep with the, you know, 
We won't go over that again. Israel's sitting around in his boxers for 22 years. Always picking evil. Lying to everybody. Yeah, Esau will be right there. Turns right and builds a house. Never does make it down there to see his brother. And yet God still was faithful even when they weren't. His character has not changed one bit. He's the faithful God even when we're not. All it takes is two seconds first. Remember, I mean, Jacob turned on the thing. Now he's Israel again. If we're going down, we're going down with God. Make the adjustment on the inside. Be like, no, nah, if I'm going down, I'm going down with El Shaddai. Because you won't go down if you go with El Shaddai. That's the whole thing. If he had just stuck with El Shaddai, he could have bypassed all this stuff. Joseph might have even bypassed going through being a slave and being in prison. People are like, oh, God did that to him. No, he didn't. God had to take what was what his brothers meant for evil and it said he, God folded it back for good. It took him some time to get out of that mess that, that his brothers did to him. I mean, you know, God has many ways. Don't put him in the... Oh, yeah, God had to make him a prisoner and a slave for him to make the most powerful man in the world. I think God probably has another a trick or two in his bag that he could have probably worked it out a different way that he didn't have to be a slave and be in prison for 13 years. Well, I don't know. Well... You can limit your God, but El Shaddai, who's more than enough, wouldn't be putting, he, he don't work with, um, we're going to make you a slave and put you in prison. He said, I came to set you free. Set the captives free. That's his character. So, you know, think about what you do also has consequences on the people around you and your family. Because what Jacob did, it set up all his, his example that he led with back and forth. No wonder his kids weren't all in with the covenant. His favorite wife wasn't. Remember? Think back all these 18 weeks that we went through, and especially all through. I mean, Jacob, dude was totally, he was emotionally attached to stuff on the planet. He wasn't emotionally attached to God. He started out that way when he was going after the birthright and the blessing. Boy, he got a hold of my, took that one look at Rachel, and it all went downhill after that. <laughs> With his own words, he killed her. He killed her. Whoever's got your God, let him die. And she did. Nine month, within nine months, she was dead. I mean, he he could have blamed God for that. He blamed God for everything. Oh, now my son's dead. No, this is gone. And, and you know what? The spiral for evil just kept getting worse and worse and worse till he's down in the hole. When he got squeezed so bad that he ain't even going to live anymore, and they're all out of food, and we're all going to die, he finally got hold of. Oh well, you know, it's so bad. We better go with God. Don't let your life get to that point where you get squeezed so hard that we're finally we're going to be. Well, I guess we got nothing else but God. Come to that. I guess I'll do El Shaddai. I mean, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are like that. They're not serious about their covenant. Look around. Look out. There's a very few of us that are half serious enough about our covenant to be here tonight. Seriously. I'm not trying to pat you on your back, but this is the group that comes and they're serious about their covenant. We all should be. Everybody in the body of Christ should be serious about their covenant. Because that's the only thing that's going to work for you to have victory on this planet, to have riches on our life. You ain't going to get it any other way. You might get riches, but there'll be sorrow with it. A lot of baggage, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of garbage, a lot of people trying to take it from you. No, I like God's plan better. Easy. What do you say? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like that. 
All you got to do is be willing and obedient. That's all you got to do is show up. We don't even have to do heavy lifting. Um, I like it. It's like being on vacation all the time. If you can just get over the battle that's between your ears, because what is the thing that they got that got these guys when they, even when they showed up to Joseph's house? What, what what is it? They were afraid. They had to have the Egyptian pagan slaves tell them, "Quit being afraid, knuckleheads. Remember your covenant." I know I'm a pagan. Shouldn't even know about this stuff. You guys who are in covenant, maybe you could stop being afraid for a minute. You think? And it wasn't even that wasn't even looking bad for them. They're at this palace. They're going to have lunch. Free manis and petties for everybody. Yeah, they're still afraid. But we do the same stuff. I do it too. Because we don't know what the next thing is. It's fear of the unknown. We don't know it. But you know what? If you really believe God, it don't matter what the unknown is. He knows it. I don't have to know it. See, it's so easy. When you hear and obey, you don't got to know stuff. I don't have to know how it works. I don't have to know all the angles. I don't have to know nothing. Make, that's why it's easy. That's why he said rest. Because I don't have to know all that. I don't have to know details. In fact, I'd rather not know them. It makes it easier if I don't know. Because so when I was in the government, they always have this with your, your secret clearances and your top secret clearances. With it. It's all a need-to-know basis. It's better if you don't know all the stuff that's going on. Because you get really mad when you hear find out some of the stuff that's going on. But the same thing, it'll freak you out. So you just don't even, who cares? God's got it. He ain't asleep at the wheel. All right, stand to your feet with me. I'll pray and dismiss. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. I thank you for how good you are. And I thank you that you're our covenant God that's more than enough. Every time, on time, you're the faithful God. You're true. Thank you, God, for being our God. Thank you, Father, for being our daddy. Thank you. Thank you for working behind the scenes on our behalf. I thank you for being a righteous judge that always finds in our favor because we're your kids. I like that. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.